I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. this week because Big it's Hannah's birthday. One more Woo. year before 40. You're getting up there. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I don't look yeah. a day over 27. You don't. It's wild. <laughs> you got baby face. I do. I do have baby face and good genes. <laughs> uh, Hannah's birthday is Saturday the 18th. Yep. Of March. Um, so this is coming out afterward, unless you're somehow a weird time traveler and <laughs> or you you're Derek. Time, two days. Yeah, well, that too. Um, <laughs> if you go back in time and listen to this on the actual 18th. Um, but anyway, happy birthday to our resident gremlin. We love Woo-hoo! you. You're the best. Love Yay. you guys. Yay. Um, so yeah. And also happy birthday to my sister-in-law Amber on the 21st and my Heck nephew yeah. Tristan on the 25th. Y'all are just all March Man. babies. We just got it all in one week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my family were all in the like a week or two in September, so yeah. you, a lot you've got of my March. family. Yeah, a lot we, of my family is September. You know why? It's the most popular month. What's 9 months before September? Valentine's Day? No. The New holidays. Year's Eve. Oh, <laughs> New Year's. Oh, people ew. get drunk. Ew. Look, I didn't want to see that. They ring in the New Year with people in my family. No offense to the some, people in my family, but some boner time. Apparently, yeah. I'm like <laughs> June's a happening baby, happening month in my family, so I'm like, <laughs> all right, summertime. Y'all getting in? Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Well, speaking of dates on calendars, I have a bunch of stuff <laughs> I just want to go over because y'all know me. I've got to go over crap. Before well, you're we doing things. You're doing things related to the cemeteries while we you're just sit moving on our and shake it. Exactly. And, and I'm moving like, oh. closer to a cemetery. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And and I mean, Luhu, you're busy. You have two children that you're. I know. After. And pickle. pickle and pickle. Two babies and too a many. Pickle. Too many animals over here. Too many legs. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but yeah, um, if you came to the cemetery walk. On March 15th at Elmwood Cemetery. I'm so sorry I was not there. Um, I think a huge section of the people who signed up for that walk were friends of mine. And then I had to literally bow out an hour before it started because my mom needed me back home. So I had to, you know, fly down to North Mississippi and help her. Um, but everything's good. Thank God. Um, but I am doing the... Um, Mar- the march <laughs> the <laughs> walk at elmwood on uh march 29th at noon so if you were in memphis sign up for that it is at elmwood cemetery you go to elmwoodcemetery.org and i will just lead folks around for about an hour well not even an hour it's like 30 minutes to 45 minutes um sharing a couple of fun stories but mostly just walking and enjoying the cemetery and then speaking of the cemetery i have a true crime tour coming up on april 22nd and then another one on may 27th uh both of those true crime tours are at elmwood cemetery i will tell you all kinds of fun stories i just discovered a new one so i have a new story to tell it is the oldest cold case in memphis Ooh, i love it a hundred and seventy something years um so come hear what that's all about um it's 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 a doozy um so that's fun. And hopefully I will be debu- debuting a new tour there 
this summer, staging for that. And then I have some more tours coming up, but we're not going to talk about that just yet. But it's in the works and they were, will not be at Elmwood. They will be somewhere else. She's doing some, quit taking screenshots. Oh my God. She said that to her cat, y'all. <laughs> I think she's spying on me. McDuff. And now McDuff is attacking my hand. Our cats and, are going wild. Your, and your then cats Pickle, are going- which are, are corgis like the cats of dogs? Yeah, uh, they're, so. they're something. They're he's, something. Yeah. <laughs> he's calmed down. He was bouncing around for a few minutes, but. He can't reach my keyboard, so I'm good on that. No No screenshots from him. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. So, I've got some events coming up in Memphis. I will keep y'all tuned on stuff that's coming up later in the spring and summer. Um, And you've got something. Yes. Poker Face. Oh, yeah. Um, I was so thrilled. I've been watching Poker Face on Peacock. If you're not watching that, I highly recommend it because if you listen to this podcast, I think you'd like the show because it's about murders being solved. It's kind of like, as you said, Lori, like a modern day Columbo, but with the adorable Natasha Leone, who is yes. wonderful. And if you're of my generation, she was probably your queer awakening. <laughs> yeah, well, and probably. as I said, as, as I said, when we were talking before, the only reason I got Peacock was because I was desperate to see that because I Me love too. Ryan Johnson. I love I Natasha too. Leone. And now, now it's great because I got to watch uh, that, uh, David Harbour Santa Claus movie too. Oh yeah, I like, need to watch that too. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch but that. it's anyways your news about why you were talking. Oh yeah, we were talking about Poker Face. Um, yes. Yeah, so I have been binging Poker Face all week, and the other night uh, I started the episode that takes place in a nursing home. That's no kind of spoiler alert whatsoever, but it is the episode starring Judith Light, who is amazing. And anyway, I almost peed my pants because the first thing you hear in that episode is a song by the one, the only Jackie Shane. Jackie Shane is a um, trans artist from the 60s. She sang soul music, incredible soul music in the 1960s. And I covered her about this time a year ago. Uh, for our trans day of visibility episode. And I was just like, holy poop, that's Jackie Shane in an episode of Poker Face. And then a few minutes later, they played another song by her. So I was just like, what? Is this just a treat? So then I tweeted about it and Ryan Johnson liked it. So we're best friends now. Absolutely. (laughs) I'd like to think. Um, But anyway, I say all that to say Trans Day of Visibility is coming up March 31st. That is a Friday. McDuff, if you don't keep your calls to yourself, (laughs) sir. Um, And what did we say? Paul's not claws. You can't (laughs) use your claws on me, okay? Um, That we, we say that every day. Puss bucket. God. Anyway, sorry. He got me good there. Um, Okay. I'm, I'm, I might have to stop recording and, 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 Tell him where he's going to have to go <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yes, Trans Day of Visibility is coming up. FYI, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, I think that's what we called it, actually, was Trans Day of Visibility. Just know that we love our friends in the trans community, anyone who's gender nonconforming. Um, you know what? We see you and we love you. Absolutely. And watch you some Poker Face because you'll enjoy it. Also, Super quick rant, and I'm not going to like belabor the point because hopefully if you're listening to this, you know my point and I shouldn't have to preach it to the choir. 
Um, there has the news, as far as I'm concerned, it broke today, at least it did for me, about a 25 year old black man in Mississippi who um, reported to his mom and tried to report to the local police in Laurel, Mississippi, that his white coworkers were harassing him and saying very ugly racist things to him. And then he came up missing. And then a month later, he came up dead and he was decapitated among many other injuries. And Ugh. this is, as far as I'm concerned, it's a modern Dale, modern day Emmett Till. It's a new Absolutely. Ahmaud Aubrey. Yep. And the cops, it seems like, aren't doing anything. Cops um, and Laurel not investigating the brutal death of a black man. Yeah. And so this is just, it's really, really upset me. I mean, this is like the first news thing that I saw this morning. And I've just been so tore up of it or over it all day. And I just think we've got to get justice for this young man his name is Rasheem Carter uh he his mother literally said she didn't think the cops care anything about him no no mother should should feel that way and he should have had justice a long time ago and if, if I'm not mistaken I think his murder happened last fall no uh, but I'm just now seeing news about it and as I told the girls I think a lot of the news outlets covering it are mostly from overseas which makes me sick this should be on ridiculous yeah, of every website of every whatever. I just this stuff bothers me. Either way, I encourage you to look this story up. Do your research. If there's anything you can do to push his story out to get his name out there, I encourage you to do that. Again, his name is Rasheem Carter. This happened in Laurel, Mississippi. So, um, that is my rant of Hey, can we please let our black men get old, please, and right. live, live absolutely. Safely? Anyway, I'm not going to go. That is like (laughs) one of my where like somebody, especially white people gets arguing, well, Martin Luther King. And I'm like, you realize Martin Luther King didn't die of old age, right? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, Y'all shot him in the head. He died at a very young age. So I'm going to need y'all to like keep his name out of your mouth. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to need you to do that. Yeah. Um, before we get started on this week's topic, too, I wanted to give our listeners a heads up. We're going to have a bonus episode coming out soon. <gasps> we are. We're yes. very excited. I am super excited about this. My friend, Stacy Williams-Ing, who lives in Memphis, she is this incredible um, artist and writer. I found out about her a couple of years ago when she released her Southern Gothic Oracle deck, which Southern Gothic Oracle deck, are there any words that speak to my soul more <laughs> than those words. Um and I purchased it. I also purchased the purchased the Haunts expansion pack where she covers Mothman and Boo Hag and Bride of Annandale. Um all this kind of cool stuff in the expansion pack. And then last year, year before last, she released the Southern Botanic uh Oracle deck which covers southern plants and flowers and then she had a poisons expansion pack and I bought that Ooh. too. Now she is coming out with Roses, Dust, and Ashes. It is an Oracle deck based on, and this is a quote from her, the, it's a Gothic Oracle deck about the language of cemeteries. Ooh. I mean, come on. Love y'all. it. Yes, that's right up your alley. Yeah, I'm like, you You made this for me, Stacey. You just, you made this for me. Um, But we are going to interview her soon, um, and we will have that out as a bonus episode just to talk about her previous decks and this deck and how this um deck was inspired by the language of cemeteries. It's all about cemetery symbolism. Uh, also, the cards are going to come in a coffin-shaped box. It's Love so it. cool. It's super, and then super I'm going to get to talk about witchy shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So yeah, so look for that coming to your feeds too uh, pretty soon. I don't know when, but it will happen. And then her Kickstarter for that deck is going on now. I think it ends in early April. We'll link to that on our socials. Um, and so just be on the lookout for that episode. It is coming. So Woo-hoo. ladies, anything else before we get started? Um, <laughs> no, I think we're good. I'm yeah. like, I'm tired now. I just, I know we're like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, Hannah's version of packing is to throw all of my dirty clothes into a suitcase and say, I will wash it at my sister's house. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I, I worked from home today because I was just like, I'm going to do laundry while I'm working. Did I? She did no, not I did do not. laundry. She did not. Reader, I did not. <laughs> You know, I just read a book. I think our listeners will appreciate this. So I will mention this. And then I swear to God, we'll get to this episode. <laughs> um, oh, my God. I can't remember the exact title. But the book is called, like, Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone. <laughs> and it's this n- wonderfully funny narrator um, about this family in Australia. And uh, everyone in his family has killed someone. And it's so cool the way that he writes to the reader. And he's like, reader. You know, or listener, really, because I was right. an audiobook. So he actually changed it for Aww. audiobook listeners. Like, oh, I know you've listened to books like this before. You know what's coming. You know there's a dead body in chapter three or something. It's mm-hmm. so wonderfully charming. And it was a great it was a great read. So I highly recommend that book. Do I know who wrote it? No. I will look on my Goodreads and I'll mention that later. But yeah, something like everyone in my family has killed someone. It's just hilarious. That's too read. cute. Anyway, okay, on to this episode. I'm kicking us off, so you have to hear more of my voice for the next, like, 20 minutes. You know we love it. Okay, so because there are so many ugly, ugly, hateful bills uh, going everywhere all over the country, but especially in the state of Tennessee, that are trying to stop drag shows from happening, we wanted to highlight drag queens and drag kings. So... If we have any drag queen or king listeners, please know we love you. We and, do. And um, this episode is dedicated to you and Absolutely. your mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Picture it. <laughs> New Orleans, 1920. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Imagine how fun New Orleans was. Oh, my God. I mean, it's fun now. But in the 20s? Yeah. And you have the Axeman roaming around? (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Oh, fuck me up. (laughs) Yes. So that's the world that this baby girl was born into. She was born to a white wealthy man and a black woman who worked for him. That's Mm. not uncommon in New Orleans. Uh, That's not not uncommon in the South. Exactly. This baby girl never knew her exact birth date, and she was never given a birth certificate, so she would grow up celebrating her birthday on Christmas Eve. Aww. So, as far as we're concerned, this That's is a her baby birthday. Capricorn, and yes, Christmas Eve, 1920. That baby was Stormy DeLarvery, which is the most beautiful, perfect name for someone who, this is not a made-up name, this is her God-given name, Stormy DeLarvery. I'm like, oh, New Orleans. Yes. Okay, so her parents did eventually marry. Um, okay. The family, yeah, the family moved to California. She was mostly raised by her grandfather. Um, but the cool thing about Stormy is, is so she's biracial and she's androgynous. She just has this wonderfully androgynous face. And Ooh. she could truly pass for white, black, female, male, 
anything she wanted to Mm -hmm. at any point in her life. Beautiful, beautiful child, beautiful girl. Um, As a friend pointed out at her memorial service, you know, especially at the time that she was living, it would have been easy for her to present as a white woman 24-7, right? you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s. That probably made life easier for her. It really would have. But you know what? She didn't always want to do that. Um, and she did face bullying from her, the kids around her. White kids teased her because she was black. The black kids teased her because she was white. You know, so it was just something. Hale is old as time. Yeah. Yeah. She, she felt like she never really fit into either world perfectly. Um, but as a teenager, she began uh, jumping horses with Ringling Brothers. Oh. Um, but then she had a, a nasty fall, so she stopped yeah. that. But she loved to sing, and so she began singing in her late teens, and she started performing at lo- local co- clubs, uh, first as a woman and then as a man. And she came out as a lesbian at the age of 18. Now, I've heard people use both she, her pronouns and he, him pronouns. But I think she mostly used she, so that's what I'm going to stick with, and I hope I'm that she's okay with that. I hope that she is cool with that. So just putting that out into the universe. Back in her day, she was probably like pronouns. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, What's that? Know, that wasn't a, a big thing back then the way yeah. it is now. But mm-hmm. you know, and she, well, we'll get to the end of her life. But I don't know that she would have really had a preference at the end of her life either. But maybe she would have. I don't. I don't want to speak for her. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, really, um, she. I I wish I was there for this. During the 50s and 60s, Stormy was the MC of the Jewel Box Review, billed as, quote, an unusual variety show. Oh, I would I bet love it was. To to this. It <laughs> yeah. was North America. I mean, I first... like the pun included in the name of I it. I do too. I do too. Um, so she, this was North America's first racially integrated drag review. Damn. So she was the MC, and all of the rest of the cast were all men, and they were dressed as women. And the review traveled, but it also played the Apollo Theater in Harlem, which I think oh. is rad. But when it did travel, it did. Um, usually play to mixed race audiences, which that was rare in this time because segregation, right? Well, not uh, in Harlem necessarily. Not in Harlem, but like if it traveled around yeah. to more segregated cities. Um, but she Stormy performed as a baritone and during the shows, audience members could try to guess who the quote one girl was <laughs> in the show. <laughs> and so they would go through all of these drag queens and be like, oh, I think it's that one. And then she would start performing a song, uh, a song called "A Surprise with a Song," and then reveal that she was the one woman. Oh, love um, it! She often wore tailor suits and a mustache, and she was very heavily inspired by jazz singers of the day, like Billie Holiday and Dinah Washington, who she knew just casually chill. Like, oh yeah, imagine I'm that. With Billie. I'm friends with Dinah. Like, can you imagine? I can't imagine. Um, one thing that was really cool was that um, there weren't really a lot of drag kings at the time right like you did have some drag queens but drag kings were sort of a new thing and so i mean not completely new because trust me i did research that people have been dressing in drag since the dawn of time yeah i think with women it's so much easier especially queer women to just be a stud yeah and just just kind of be like butch presenting than for queer men to you know kind of yes yes And we get into that. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Yeah. So she was kind of really a pioneer as far as performing as a drag king. 
Now, at the time in New York City, the law said you had to wear at least three items of clothing that matched your sex. How boring. So she would dress as a woman, and then at the club, she would change into her menswear. But the police actually arrested her several times because they thought she was a drag queen. Oh, hey, that's like exactly what Tennessee's trying to do with their law yeah basically um but yeah i just think that's hilarious that she was just out on the street <laughs> she was so good they're like you're not so real like, yeah you're not real um but what's really cool is that yeah a lot of women because this was you know 40s 50s 60s are still wearing dresses and that type of thing but she started wearing men's clothes as everyday wear and this made her super influential in the fashion world and stormy didn't want to always dress feminine when she didn't feel feminine so right um she was photographed by dan arbus who we need to cover at some point as well as um some other photographer friends and she would wear three-piece suits and men's hats i bet that was hot mm-hmm. oh you you got to see pictures of her she's super I do. hot i absolutely she's hot whether, do. She's a, whether she's a dude or a chick she is she's hot um and, and i hope i did not tick anyone off with dude or chick but um, i got you i feel you still a a little 80s baby i still want to say dude and chick um so for much of her life uh she worked as an mc a singer a bouncer and a bodyguard we're gonna get oh that damn okay yeah she performed uh her music both solo and in jazz groups and she did live for a lot of her life in new york city specifically at the hotel chelsea which again like can I have that life? That just That's the amazing. place to be. Heck yeah. Now, speaking of places to be, Stormy was at a bar called the Stonewall Inn in New oh. York City on June 28th, 1969. I feel like we've police, heard of that. I think we have. When police raided the bar. And of course, as I said, we all know the Stonewall Inn was an infamous gay club in New York City. Now, what happened next is a little shrouded in mystery. It seems like everyone saw something different, but everyone agrees that a woman threw the first punch, a lesbian threw the first punch, and a woman in handcuffs was fighting the officers, escaping from their grasp and swearing at them, and then she was hit over the head by an officer with a baton when she complained her handcuffs were too tight. She turned to the crowd and said, why don't you guys do something? And then she was shoved into the back of the police wagon. That was Stormy. Oh, wow. <gasps> For She's real? One. She started Stonewall. Okay, um, because like the dollop has a really good episode about the Stonewall riots. And they talk about like she was very butchy lesbian that they stormy. were mistreating and she's like y'all gonna stormy. do something and they're like absolutely we are it's stormy <laughs> now, there's, Love there's it. some people who said it wasn't her but she said it was and other people who were there said it was but of course there are other people who are there said it wasn't i don't know i mean I, I would imagine that that scene would be very chaotic but she was there and she did fight back and it's because of this moment that she became known as the gay community's rosa parks Yeah. Okay. But now she said Stonewall was not a riot. Her quote about that was, it was a rebellion. It was an uprising. It was a civil rights disobedience. It wasn't no damn riot. I love her. I love her so much. So she was a founding member of the Stonewall Veterans Association, and she (laughs) held several offices in that group, everything from chief of secretary. Chief of Security to Ambassador to Vice President. I love that there is a Stonewall Veterans Association. Oh, yeah. We were there and Mm -hmm. we fought. Like, that is rad. 
And then she continued to fight for gay rights long past Stonewall. Um, she, in the 80s and 90s, began working as a bouncer for several lesbian bars in New York City. And she was known to just sort of walk the streets and bodyguard lesbians who were facing harassment. She said any kind, she did, she said that when someone was being ugly, that's what she said. She said people, she, she detested ugliness. That hey, was how she's she from the it. South. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I see your Southerness here, ma'am. Uh, any bigotry, any harassment, she said you were being ugly. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. So she worked as a bouncer and a bodyguard until she was 85. Like, Damn. man, I'm telling you, there's Mima got hands. Yeah. She, oh. Oh, she has more than hands. This is actually a quote from her obituary in the New York Times. Tall, androgynous, and armed, she held a state (laughs) gun permit. Mrs. DeLarvery roamed Lower 7th and 8th Avenues and points between into her 80s, patrolling the sidewalks and checking in at lesbian bars. She was on the lookout for what she called ugliness, any form of intolerance, bullying, or abuse of her, quote, baby girls. She literally walked the streets of downtown Manhattan like a gay superhero. (gasps) She was not to be messed with by any stretch of the imagination. I love love her. Gay superhero. Gay superhero. Oh, my God. And because she stood up for people who needed, um, you know, some some shelter and some some safety, she also performed at benefits for and she organized benefit efforts for domestic violence shelters to help Mm -hmm. women and children, which that's a big, huge cause for me, I guess, is domestic violence. And so I'm like, woman after my own heart here. Like, heck, yes. Um, People are terrible. Um, In 1987, filmmaker Michelle Parkerson made a documentary about her called Stormy, the Lady of the Jewel Box. (laughs) I think it's like maybe 20 minutes or something. I found where you could buy the DVD, but I I didn't have a chance to buy it. Um, Unfortunately, Stormy suffered from dementia later in her life. Mm. I kind of wondered if maybe that knock on the head at Stonewall might have. have. But I I also don't know. That is pure speculation. Yeah. She did spend her last years in a nursing home, and her friends said that her more recent memories failed her, but she did remember her childhood, and she did remember Stonewall. I don't think you ever forget Stonewall. No. Right. Um, On June 7th, 2012, Brooklyn Pride honored Stormy at the Brooklyn Society for Ethical Culture, and two years later, she was honored alongside Edith Windsor by the Brooklyn Community Pride Center for, quote, fearlessness and bravery, and was presented with a proclamation from the New York City Advocate, Public Advocate, Letitia James. (gasps) Stormy, what? She's just been in the news recently. Oh. Uh, Stormy died in her sleep on May 24th, uh, 2014 in Brooklyn from a heart attack. She was 93. Damn. I don't know. That's how you want to go. Absolutely. It really is. At 93 and in your sleep. Like she deserves it. In your own bed, you know. It sounds like she fought her entire life. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, get your rest. You deserve Mm -hmm. it. I cannot find where she's buried or if she's buried. I will say this. Her funeral is online. The whole thing is on YouTube. Oh. I watched a good chunk of it. It's beautiful and moving. Her friends speak so lovingly about her. If you have any type of feelings about seeing a dead body, you may not want to watch it. You do see her dead body, but she she looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, she's laid out, so it's not like she's, you know. Yeah, she looks great. Um, But you can pay your respects to her at Stonewall Inn. So 
Stormy was one of the inaugural 50 American, quote, pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in the Stonewall Inn. So when they erected this monument, which is the first U.S. national monument dedicated to LGBTQ LGBTQ rights and history, they inducted these first 50 people who were so important to the cause. So it's not just Stormy. It's also James Baldwin, Sylvia Rivera, Bayard mm-hmm. Rustin, Christine Jorgensen, Marsha P. Johnson, Keith Haring, Audrey Lord, and Harvey Milk. I mean, that's just oh. a handful of the people who share this honor with Stormy. And her name deserves to be along uh, their names as well. So she is just an incredibly brave woman who seems like just a cool cool lady i don't know oh absolutely i wish i'd have known her but Mm -hmm. yeah um we will have pictures of her up of course and um yeah so if you i know you can't go necessarily pay your respects at her grave but hey you can go to stonewall and pay your respects to all of those amazing lgbtq activists and trailblazers and pioneers i love it yeah that's cool yeah all right hannah Okay, so hope you guys are ready to talk about ballroom. Yes. So mine has like a couple of different people, but it's ballroom. So what are you going to do? I'm cool with it. Um, I always want to do like what David does on the on the dollop and like scream a year. But yeah. I just, <laughs> I, of don't, our Lord. I don't have that in, in hey, me. Hey, Zoo Cristo. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So we're going to start in the best decade, the 80s, and we're going to um, start in 1982. So let me just like, we'll talk about the ballroom scene very briefly because this is sort of the setting for what we're doing. So the ballroom scene is primarily African-American and Latino queers. Um The members of the ballroom community traditionally form houses. So those are kind of like, if you've watched Pose, you're like, bitch, I've watched Pose. I know what to do. But one of my favorite shows of all time. I love it. I love it so much. I love it. I ball like a baby every time I watch it. So the big part of these houses, though, is that not only are they like a team, but they're also like a family. Um, Because especially in the 80s, but even now, unfortunately, queer kids get shunted out of their homes and a lot of these kids go to new york city and try to make it um and new york city's you know it's one of what is the phrase if you can make it there you can make it anywhere well (laughs) you can't always do that alone so they have these houses that basically are like you know they're a team they do you know the pose and the the walks and the stuff together but they also just support each other like a surrogate family so they traditionally formed in a family-like structure with a house mother and or a house father um, who kind of oversee and direct the group. So they, and then the balls. So the ballroom scene is they do the walks. So there's lots of, that's where voguing started was the right. ballroom scene. Um, Madonna stole that from yep. Paris is burning. Um, so they do like runway modeling. They design all their own costumes. So you'll have people in the house who can do wigs, people in the house mm-hmm. who can do makeup, people in the house who can sew. Um, 
And like I said, these are coming from primarily Latino and African-American families. So, you know, that shit is going to be flawless. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about one house in particular called House Extravaganza. Yeah. Ooh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. So if you have not seen Paris is Burning, find it wherever it might be streaming and watch it because it is brilliant it was filmed in the early 90s um so along with everything else that was going on yeah the aids epidemic Mm -hmm. which was hitting new york real hard and was hitting queers of color real hard so it's an interesting you know background so let's talk about house extravaganza so it was uh, founded in 1982 by Hector Valet, who unfortunately did die in 1985. He was Puerto Rican and was recognized for his elegant and athletic style of voguing. Yes. He knew what he was doing. He didn't belong to a ball house at the very beginning, but as he was like in the scene and, you know, doing his thing, he came to form one so one of the nightclubs was the paradise garage which i (laughs) fucking love that's a great um and so he was soon joined by a transgender teen who was also puerto rican descent who came to be known as angie extravaganza yes so we're going to talk a little bit about angie here in a minute but we just want to close out the history So House Extravaganza in 1983 made its appearance. Um, You know, there was like, who are these new people? But they crushed. Um, In 1985, the house father and founder, Hector, did pass away from AIDS. Mm. Um, Angie recruited some young up-and-coming ballroom folks, and they became the rivals to House of Ebony. Ooh. And he became father of House Extra- uh, Extravaganza. His name was David Padilla. Um, he was awesome. And a lot of these folks were Puerto Rican. So a Puerto Rican heritage. So they had that kind of with them together. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, in 1987, the Extravaganza Ball mm-hmm. um, in a New York City nightclub called the Latin Quarter. It was one of the first balls to be held in a proper nightclub as opposed to the social halls of Harlem, which is where, you know, which it makes sense that your lady was in Harlem. Harlem had a drag scene. So some of the other performers other than Angie Extravaganza, there was (laughs) Danny Extravaganza, Venus Extravaganza, who we will talk about, Carmen Extravaganza, Bianca Extravaganza. Hector Crespo extravaganza and Jose Gutierrez extravaganza. The house is also known for its stable of impossible beauties who were transgender women known as femme queens in ballroom lingo who reigned in the ballrooms and worked as professional models and entertainers. The current house mother of house extravaganza has like walked in Paris. Oh, cool. Shows like legit. So they started getting mainstream recognition from like the late 80s to the early 90s. Paris is burning, being a big part of it. Um, They held a what they called the love ball in 1989 with a bunch of other houses to raise money for um, 
AIDS-related causes. And this was by the Designer Industry Foundation. So you've got participants like Carolina Herrera, Terry oh, Mugler, yeah. Iman, uh, Keith Herring, Francesco Clemente, um, tons of people. And David Ian Extravaganza, one of the house fathers, was the master of ceremonies. That's awesome. So they're really kind of like making a lot of strides and like, you know, general culture and really kind of like, you know, here we are. And then, of course, we get voguing. So voguing, um, like I said, Madonna kind of stole. Um, she really like, um, hang on, I'm losing my space. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, I didn't realize David Fincher had uh, directed the video for Vogue. Um, confession, I despise David Fincher. So, <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit. Hate him. Hate him. Hate him. Okay. So, alas, the deepening AIDS crisis did hit the house extravaganza hard and Angie extravaganza died of complications of AIDS in March of 1993. Mm. Her death was a subject of a April 18th, 1993 New York times feature named Paris has burned. Um, and I actually, cause I have a New York times subscription. I was able to like read it, read the article this week. It's so good. Like, because she called the, the, kids more or less and her house those were her children she was the house mother mm -hmm. those were their children and so one of them um a little fellow by the name of hector at her funeral was like i didn't just lose a friend i lost a mother right mm -hmm. um and for a lot of these folks this is their second time losing a parent mm -hmm. because they got kicked out of their house right yeah so we're oh yes so we're gonna talk a little bit about angie let me go back to my other Everyone who's yelling at me like, you don't have your shit together. No, I don't have my shit together. I never have my shit together. It's also almost her birthday and she's yeah. planning exactly. to go to town. So you know what? Get off her back. Get off my dick. <laughs> that too. So Angie Extravaganza was born October 17th, 1964 in New York City. She was one of 13 children. Ooh. My God. Um. Yeah. <laughs> From the age of they're in the South Bronx, which good for her. From the age of 13, she basically had her little cadre of children, children in quotes. So these were just her babies um, <laughs> on the Christopher Street Piers in Times Square. So this was back before Times Square was like Disney in New York. This was yeah. when you would get <laughs> stabbed in Times yeah. Square. <laughs> um, we're primarily made up of, again, people who had been rejected by their own families and they called her Ma. Aww. She started doing drag in 1980 and began competing in balls at the age of 16. It was on the Christopher Street Piers where she met Hector Extravaganza with whom she would form their house. Um, she took on the role of house mother. She was The house was notable for being the first primarily Latino within the ball scene mm -hmm. um, and heavily influenced the gay culture. Um she was diagnosed with AIDS in 1991 and developed Carposi sarcoma, which is a shitty, shitty way to go. Yeah. Um, she died in New York City at the age of 28. God. From wow. AIDS. Yeah. 
from AIDS-related liver disease, although it had been speculated that her liver problems may have stemmed from the use of black market hormones, Mm. which is why it's really important that people get gender-affirming care in safe and legal ways. Exactly. She is not buried. She was cremated, and her ashes were returned to her family, who buried them under her dead name. So we're not not cool and we're we're not not, using her dead name we're not in fact and in the article that i'm using like they don't even mention her dead name so no they shouldn't she is angie extravaganza forevermore now this would not be the only time that tragedy would strike house extravaganza i mentioned venus extravaganza yes so venus extravaganza was in fact transgender. Um, she was in Paris's burning as well. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. She was born May 22nd, 1965, in Jersey City, New Jersey. And she died December 21st, 1988, at the age of 23. Oh my God. In New York. Babies. All of the, Babies. the folks who died in Paris's burning, they're all so old, but God, you don't. Sometimes you just don't realize it or think about it until you hear those ages. Right. And then you're like, my God, baby. An infant. Alas, she was actually murdered. Right. Um, She was of Italian-American and Puerto Rican descent, which she's from Jersey. I would expect no less. (laughs) Um, She had four brothers and she took on the name Venus in her early teens. Um, she began cross-dressing and performing, cross-dressing were her words, um, and performing at 13 or 14, placing her earliest performances around 1978, 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, her family caught on to her lifestyle, but she didn't want to embarrass them, she said, so she moved away. Oh. Which her, I mean, her family seemed kind of cool about it. Like, they weren't that, you know, but it's Italian families in Jersey. What are you going to do? She relocated to York City in order to be to perform freely. Um, Her ball career began in 1983 when Hector Valet invited her to join the house. She stated that he was the first gay man she'd ever met. On her 15th birthday, Valet took her to Greenwich Village, threw her a party, and bought her a cake. Oh, she (laughs) was just a baby. She was an infant. Yes, 15. Jesus, just a teeny tiny baby. Um, he, uh, after Valet died of AIDS related complications as well in 1985, um, Angie Extravaganza, but you know, became the role of house mother and she took on Venus as her minty and drag daughter. At the time of the filming of Paris is Burning, um, Venus was an inspiring model. She wanted to make a sex, she wanted to have the sex change. She said, I want my sex change to make myself feel complete yeah on christmas day in 1988 venus was found strangled under a bed at the duchess hotel in new york it was estimated that her body had been there for four days before she was discovered shooting for paris's burning was ongoing and the film's final moments include angie reacting to her death angie said she felt that venus was one to take too many chances and that she was too wild with people in the streets Mm. and that she feared something was going to happen to her. Angie was the first person detectives approached with news of Venus's death. And it was Angie who broke the news to her uh, biological family. Oh man. 
In Paris's burning, Venus had described a time she narrowly escaped an attack by a man who discovered she was transgender during an intimate encounter, and it is possible her murder occurred during a similar situation. Her killer has never been found. She is buried. Very hard. I'm guessing they didn't look terribly hard. Um, She is buried at the Holy Cross Cemetery in North Arlington, New Jersey. So there was some controversy. Um, You know, sometimes true crime fans need to get their shit under control so in the fall of 2013 a new york city theater group presented a murder mystery centered around a fictionalized account of venus's murder whoa what let i love a murder mystery dinner as much as the next person but not not around a real person and a real marginalized person who was murdered horribly i was about to say this is not just your everyday i'm sorry but you know yeah no whatever murder this is this was something that was targeted yes it, it was a hate crime i mean it was a fucking hate trans. crime yeah yep members okay, of house missed this news and now i'm ticked off all over again <laughs> it was I'm... in 2013 there was a lot going on yeah there was um members of house extravaganza said they were not involved at all in the show's production and they would not endorse it no they condemned the work as inappropriate opportunistic and disrespectful to venus's legacy yeah and i fully agree um so we're going to talk a little bit about um where house extravaganza is currently um so they recently celebrate well not recently oh no it's 40th anniversary now um 40th anniversary was in uh, 2022 but they did for the 30th anniversary held an incredibly large ball um at XL, a luxury night spot in Times Square. Ooh, fancy. So apparently it was a big deal. Um, which I'm sure it was. I need to find it on YouTube because I bet it is perfect. Probably. So and also in September 2013, Swedish electro pop duo uh Icona Pop, who I love, um released the video for their song All Night, which is one of my favorites, which includes um, several members of House Extravaganza in the video oh, cool. doing the thing. And I love it. Um, they also contributed to a Barney's catalog with um, the new house mother, Giselle Extravaganza, who mm-hmm. is the one who has walked um, the runways. So. Um, Giselle Alicia Extravaganza is a longtime member of the house, currently holds the position of house mother, and is a legendary figure in the ball scene. Um, she was photographed by Bruce Weber, enti- and the catalog was entitled Brothers, Sisters, Sons, and Daughters. Mm-hmm. Remember that these are all people's brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters, even if that declaration has changed over right. the time. Um so they've just been everywhere in pop culture. They've been in a uh, Katy Perry video, which um, yeah, mm. I got feelings about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so more than 35 years after its founding, so 40 years now, House of Extravaganza members continue to be um, featured in popular media all around the world for voguing and, um, hey, it, God damn it, Rosie, get off the keyboard. <laughs> 
And like I said, uh, Giselle Extravaganza walked at the Chromat, um, which is the video or the one of the photos I'm going to use because she's got a pinnacle over her boobies. And I love that for her. <laughs> um, in 2015. And so from 2015 on, she has been the house mother. The current house father is Jose Gutierrez Extravaganza. Um, and so, yeah, that awesome. is house extravaganza. Awesome. Yeah. Woohoo. I really thought you were going to do, uh, oh crap, divine. I wanted to, I, I wanted to. Divine is like, ugh, divine deserves, like, we all need to do a story about divine. Yes. <laughs> like, she deserves her own, like, whole thing yeah yes all right Lou. well good job thank okay. you well so i said mine takes place in the 2000s but that's just when the deaths occurred i mean oh. they were active in the like 70s and 80s so oh cool anyway uh so we're gonna begin today with the birth of one samuel ray collins jr in sulfur springs tennessee Oh. On August 7th, 1954. Okay, he's the oldest, well, aside from Sheena's, the oldest yes. one. Well, uh, they would grow up to become a well-known and respected drag queen named Kitty Litter. Oh, that's <laughs> best name uh, ever. Yes. Um, but before Kitty Litter was born, or, yes, so, uh, excuse me. So before... Kitty was born. Collins was nicknamed Butch by his family <laughs> and friends. Okay. Um, he loved all things fashion and home design, and he was a junker, which I can get behind. Like, I love yeah. junk, junkin'. Junk shops yep. are my jam. Yep. So, in 1972, at the age of 18, Collins moved to Atlanta and began their drag career as Kitty Litter. And now I will start. I, I I could not find any specific mention on whether they preferred he, she. So now that yeah. we're talking about them as kitty litter, we're going to go with she cool. um, and use female pronouns. So in 1972, at the age of 18, Collins moved to Atlanta and began his her drag career as kitty litter. And over the course of her 40-year career, she performed in more than 200 clubs across 36 cities in 12 states. Okay. So not long after she arrived in Atlanta, she was introduced to a drag queen named Lily White. Who... <laughs> yes. And, and another one. So these are the two I'll be talking about today, Lily and Kitty. And, and again, because of the time era, the, the time period they're from, there was really no information on what their preferred pronouns were right like, like on facebook kitty went by kitty collins and mm -hmm. lily white went by lily white so we will just refer to them as as she i will give you their birth names because i you know it was yeah it, it, it just for context and it was their how they were born and they didn't seem to be offended by it or anything right. like that from what right. I can tell. Well, there's a big difference in being like a drag queen being and being transgender. And, being trans. and yeah. they, yeah, they never actually said whether or not. Right. Yes. I'm trans or no, I'm just gay and perform as a drag queen. So, yeah. um, so Lily was born 
uh, May 14, 1948, in Rome, Georgia, as Kyle Dennis Souter and worked as an architectural designer before saying, you know, fuck it, I want to be a drag queen um, <laughs> and move, move to Atlanta. So together, um, Lily and Kitty and another drag queen named Alvina Laverne. Oh, that's a great name, too. Formed the Grease Sisters, a comedy <laughs> act that spoofed girl groups of the time. Nice. And one of their first major gigs was during the June 25th, 1972 Gay Pride Parade in Atlanta. Oh, um, let's see. According to the Atlanta alternative newspaper, the Great Speckled Bird, which I love. <laughs> I think that's a great name. Quote, it is a great name. Okay. And this is a long quote. So bear with me. I got a lot of quotes in this one, y'all. Cool. At the end of the parade came two trucks carrying the Grease Sisters, a new kind of drag group that seems to be mocking the old queenly preoccupation with elegance, fantasy, and pretension. The members have names like Miss Kitty Litter and Miss Lily White and wear preposterous, musty, old frilled and flounced dresses that are coming apart at the hems <laughs> with with great flutterings of ostrich plumes and waving of soiled white gloves. The Grease Sisters gave stay at old Peachtree, as well as conservative homosexuals, a good lesson in the blurring of traditional sex roles. Oh, and nice. I do I did find a picture of the Grease Sisters so I do have one that we will share um, so they moved around and Lily and Kitty eventually became a duo uh, before they went on to be solo acts I was able to find a midget because it was really neat because Kitty's Facebook page is still out there and you can oh. go look at it and see you know her responding to, to comments on her pictures and it looks like um Alvina passed away sometime in the 80s. So that may mm -hmm. be why they became a duo. Right. Uh, but I couldn't find anything specifying what what broke them up. And y'all, so at one point, they were the upstairs neighbors of the one and only Leslie Jordan. Oh, my God. I love it. Like, oh, he lived in Atlanta and he talked about him. He had an Instagram because when I was doing a Google search, he talked about him in an Instagram video. So R.I.P. Oh, Leslie. I love him so much. Yes. Uh, so, at one point, he would later tell the Atlanta digital social magazine Eldridge ATL, quote, years and years ago, Lily was doing a kind of drag that is wildly popular now. Lily never wanted to be the pretty girl. She did what we used to call freak drag. When she <laughs> barreled on stage, you never knew what you were going to get. I love it. So after she went solo, Lily became renowned for her fluffy black wig and rock and roll style, which set her apart from the more traditional pop divas of the time. Mm. You know, she was dirty and, you know, nasty. Uh, love it. it. No, I got some quotes from her. So Leslie Jordan would also say later, quote, long before RuPaul's drag race brought drag into the mainstream, there were performers like Lily. It was performance art. She had this one number where she shaved her head bald and then glued pieces of a wig all over her head. <laughs> he came on stage lip syncing to Patsy Cline's crazy and made <laughs> And mid-performance, she had snatched herself bald-headed while being dragged off stage in restraints. Yes. <laughs> it was beyond subversive. It was just nuts. And the crowds right. went ballistic. I, love, I it. love it. Yes. So Lily's look, okay, and this, you know, this is just crazy. Apparently, she inspired Cassandra Peterson when she was creating Elvira. Oh. oh. So back before, years before 
Elvira came to yeah. be. Cassandra came through at Atlanta and met Lily while she was on tour with a show called Mama and Her Boys. And several <laughs> years later, Elvira was unveiled and everyone kept saying, you know, she looks just like you, Lily. I mean, she, she that makeup, it's just on point. She looks like yeah. Lily White. And some years later, Lily ran into uh, one of the dudes that performed in the group. And he was like, yeah, she she when she was trying to build this character for this uh, horror show presenter, she's like she asked the makeup artist, hey, do you have any pictures of the drag queen Lily White? And they had a <laughs> gay magazine and that that's what she based her makeup on. And Lily would later say that Cassandra did say yes you inspired me in the makeup the only Aww. thing that was different was the boobs because <laughs> you know, elvira has those giant jokes <laughs> yeah cassandra peterson also lives next door to dave navarro oh my god oh, wow. i love her I, she is amazing i follow them both on instagram and so i was like deep in the depths of a massive crush on him because have you seen Who doesn't him? have Jesus a crush on him Christ. Like, and there's I photos of his dick on the internet it's perfect um i'll show them to you later sheena great <laughs> that is just like i mean how random it's, elvira and dave navarro as neighbors it makes sense well because around halloween he had like posted a picture of like a bobblehead of her he's like this is i bugged my neighbor to like give me this and he, that's what they were neighbors i was like i fucking love this that is crazy anyway so, um oh can i if anyone hears that, that's thunder. Sorry. Very loud thunder. Oh, I didn't even hear it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, we got some weather down yeah. here. Um, but I was going to say very quickly, speaking of Elvira's boobs, my best friend Spencer is a drag queen, Amnesia Devereaux. What, what? I and, love it. <laughs> he got huge fake boobs to wear uh last year because he was going as El elvira uh -huh. and yeah he they're they're nice and big and uh -huh. he's used them for a lot of other things so yeah <laughs> shout out to amnesia Devereaux and his trashy or her trashy side giant titties <laughs> love well, it no, he, he has like a uh trailer trash kind of character named siobhan <laughs> i love it so that's Shout great. Out to those two. Anyway, back to your story. So this, I'm loving Lily and Kitty. Well, y'all, you're going to really get a kick out of this this next one. So there was even a time in Lily's life where she slept in a copper coffin she okay. had purchased from a flea market in Atlanta. Uh, can I be her best friend? Right, <laughs> and, I want a copper coffin. Y'all, just just watch me try to keep a straight face as I give you this quote. She said, <laughs> "Quote." It was very comfortable. Coffins have like four inches of padding. It was good to freak out tricks when I brought tricks home. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did a lot of fucking in that coffin. <laughs> it's quite handy when you leave the bottom half down and the top half up. You can crawl around in quite a few positions, but that's neither here nor there. There's quite a few people that have seen my coffin. Let's put it that way. I love her. I need that put on my tombstone. <laughs> Iconic. A lot of people have seen my coffin. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> so sadly, Lily's career was put on hold in 2000 when she returned home to Rome, Georgia, to take care of her father. He had ALS. Aww. He passed away in 2003. And she was making plans to come back to Atlanta and pick back up. 
but before she could move, her mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Oh. oh. So she's like, okay, I'm going to stay here and take care of my mom. And she cared for her mom for nine years. Wow. Damn. Before her mother passed in 2012. And it was like a three month period. Lily suffered a massive heart attack. <gasps> oh. Almost died. Jesus. And then there was a house fire that burned down the house she lived in with her mother. She only had time to save her mom and her mom's dog. No. And oh. she lost all of her costumes in her wig. No. Lily. And um, put a hex on her. And can we Right? Who is sending her bad juju? Well, uh, a month it. and a month after the fire, her mom died. And she no. oh. just... I mean, dementia had taken over and just living, losing her house just was too much. And she said she fell into a depression. Um, Lily did move back to Atlanta. She tried to restart her career, but, you know, times changed and she was having, she had health problems. She was trying to rebuild her costumes and makeup, Um, but people still recognized her and respected her she was aunt lily to a lot of upcoming drag performers and so let's get back to kitty who we started our story with don't know much about her career later in life what we do know is very sad on the evening of october 3rd 2014 her boyfriend frank davis bowles shot her several times (gasps) after an argument about how he was preparing dinner Oh, my God. I hope this person suffers. He then dragged her body to the woods behind their home and left her. No. Fuck him. He then fled with Kitty's credit cards, driver's license, and her fucking Honda Odyssey minivan. What a fucking piece of shit. And he was arrested three days later in Tennessee, not for murder, but for driving under the influence and being a felon in possession of a shotgun because the cops... Pulled over because the the van was on the side of the road and they looked in and he was passed out drunk with a shotgun in his lap. Jesus Christ. Well, at least he was a fucking stupid criminal. Yes. Um, And they found Kitty's belongings in his car and they're like, well, who the fuck is this dude? You have some other man's belong, you know, driver's side. And that's when he was like, I killed him. He was my boyfriend. And, uh, very, very sad. And so yeah. following Kitty's death, Lily said, quote, she was like my sister. She was so small and petite, one of the most beautiful drag queens I'd ever seen. She looked like a doll. And quote. And then Lily even recalled that Kitty was a mentor to young drag queens during a period of time when you, living out and proud in the South was very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Said, quote, everyone loved her. She was kind and sweet to all the drag queens in that time period. Aww. Uh, Bowles did plead guilty to murder and was sentenced to life in prison of August of 2015. Um, And so Kitty had two sisters that were in attendance and they were like, you did a really bad thing and we hate hate you, but we forgive you. You're going to serve your time. And I I didn't want to include that quote. I'm like, you know, that guy. Fuck forgiveness. I can't. I'm sorry. I know. I'm the same way. I will never be that person, but I will heal in hell. Yeah, I I couldn't do it. I mean, Mm -mm. that's my one thing. Because sometimes, and I don't want to. I want you to hurt. Like, and I I don't want to cast aspersions like on their sister. Because I don't. I don't know these people. 
But sometimes in these situations, it feels like the family's forgiving them because they think that their loved one contributed to it in some way of like, oh, well, you know, that's just what happened, you know? And I'm not saying that that's their thinking, but I have seen, you know, when trans people or non-gender conforming people or gay people are, you know, killed and their family's are like, well, when you live that kind of life and it's right. just like, that, no one deserves to be risk. murdered, you fucking asshole. Well, and two, a lot of times, and I don't know if there was domestic abuse or there violence was, before. Yes, there was a lot of domestic violence in a this A lot of times people will say, well, she deserved it. Why didn't she leave? Right. She smarted off too much. How could you live with her? Because trust me, I come from a lot of difficult women and Mm -hmm. I have literally had people say that like, well, yeah, well, you know, you know how they were like, they deserved it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm sorry. Us mouthy girls. We, we don't deserve to get hit for the things we say and the things we do. Or people will counter with, well, why didn't they leave? Why didn't they leave? And it's just like easier said than done. Not that easy. Exactly. Done, my dude. Um, but yeah, and so that's the thing too, is is yeah, a lot of times they they blame the woman and like, well, she was difficult, so she deserved it. So that's the thing too. But I do know there are some people who were like, I have to just at least say I forgive so I can move on. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. I don't want to judge them because yeah, no, absolutely. I can't understand. But yeah, if you hurt me, my loved I will one, heal in hell. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not going to forgive you, but that's just me. That's just this me. this bitch right here holds a grudge. So, oh yeah, yeah there is a very kind of terrible joke, but I love it because, and I'm Irish, so I get to say it. And what, it's the day before St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when Irish people get dementia, they forget everything but their grudges. <laughs> and I still hold grudges over people who are mean to me in second grade. Jordan, you know who you are, and I hope all the bad things have ever happened to you. So, yeah, no, I'll heal in hell. Yep. Nope. Nope. I, I'm the same. So, (laughs) but one friend, so people flocked to her Facebook page and were like, you know, celebrating, I guess, their win. And so one person wrote, Justice has been served, and I am grateful for this. Her death has changed my life forever, and hopefully one day now I can have closure. I will always love and miss my sister and dear friend, but at least Frank will pay the rest of his life and afterwards for his horrible acts of violence. So, so yeah. So, you know, that was a more powerful quote than what the sisters Mm -hmm. read. Just as somebody that holds a grudge and would not be able to to, to say yeah, those no. words in a court of law yeah zeus would strike me down with a bolt of lightning <laughs> yes um kitty was buried at the oakland cumberland presbyterian cemetery in telford tennessee and sadly his stone does not recognize kitty collins it, it has his given his his legal name and his dates no, you know, it's a, just like one of those small square stones. It right. does have at the very top butch. Like, so right. I don't know if that was a nickname he li- they liked or if it was just like they called him butch because he wasn't. I don't. Well, right. it was the it, family it's, nickname from when he was a kid. Yeah. I mean, so I don't. And so at least know. that's on there. But yeah, there's no, no. Uh, acknowledgement acknowledgement um so lily's remaining years were not easy she suffered multiple strokes and in the fall of 2019 she announced she was living with terminal cancer Mm. and had moved to a hospice in rome georgia 
She interacted with the fans through her Facebook page, but eventually succumbed to complications from cancer at the age of 17, 17, 73, <laughs> oh. June 23rd, 2021. Um, she was cremated, so there's no record of where her remains are. Um, and we're going to end this on a quote from Lily, which... As I've said earlier, you know, she she had a mouth on her and she had that raunchy it. sense of humor. So this love is silly. Quote, here's to finding the perfect man who could ask for anything more. He's deaf. He's dumb. He's blind. But his dick hangs down to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lily, I, I love like you. Lily. So she's good yes. people. Yes, that is the story. He probably looked at Lily Navarro's dick pics. (laughs) I'm sure. Probably. Lily White, Kitty Litter, and their connection to good old Leslie Collins. May he rest. Leslie Jordan. Leslie, who, what did I say? Leslie Leslie Collins. Collins. (laughs) Look, it's late. We're very tired. May he rest. I love Leslie Jordan. I know. You know, they did a big concert in his honor and in nashville with like eddie vetter and a ton of other people and i was was dying to go he got so many people through covid yes he did yes Yes, and he was like i would watch will and grace with my grandma (laughs) that was (laughs) one of our shows that we would watch together and anytime he was on will and grace i was just like yes yes see i didn't i didn't learn about him and tell uh american horror story coven when he was oh, on yeah. that i was like who is this fabulous little man let me tell yes, you yes um, he was like a 90s sitcom icon yeah if you want some entertaining stuff to watch um watch del shore's sorted lives the movies and then mm-hmm. there's a tv show um del shore's came to corinth mississippi back when i was a reporter um and they did the local theater theater there did a production um, of Sorted Lives, which is about a young gay man from Texas who moves to L.A. He becomes an actor. And uh, I think it's his aunt has passed away. She tripped over her married boyfriend's prosthetic leg. <laughs> I believe in the movie <laughs> she's. She's her character is not, I don't think in the movie, but I think it's in the TV show. I think in the movie, she's played by Reed McClanahan. Um, I mean, incredible cast like Olivia Newton John and all these other amazing. This movies. isn't a John Waters movie, no, amazingly, it's not, but it's just as filthy practically. I love it, uh, but it's him having to come back to Texas and deal with his family who is trying to deal with his being gay and all of this but it's funny it's touching but leslie jordan his character brother boy has been in an institution for like 20 30 years because he wanted to be a drag queen he wanted to be tammy Wynette. so through the whole thing he's like dressing as tammy and like performing like um Mm -hmm. some of her biggest hits like till i can make it on my own which is like my favorite tammy song oh my god it is the funniest thing i need to see a drag queen perform that now I know, right? And like um his therapist is is a terrible therapist and she <laughs> like gets naked and is like trying to be like, you know, sleep with me to oh cure your, your gayness and she's and he's like, no. No, <laughs> you know? that's not it how is, that works. It's so funny, it's so touching. I mean, it's it it kind of looks, God bless it, like it's cheaply made. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, it's so sweet. And then there's a very sort of wedding. Like there's a couple of different iterations of it but it's it's really wonderful it is some of the funniest 
it's so southern so like it (laughs) all of the women that are in it are just so funny i'm like i know all these women like i they're all in i'm gonna have to check this out family and then yeah leslie jordan just kills it when he's trying to be uh tammy one it i mean it it thrills me it absolutely thrills me yeah i'll have to look it up um but yeah he's he's great man and yeah i just wanted to say too real quick touching on that domestic violence Mm-hmm. aspect of your story it's so easy to think that only certain people suffer that right that it's True. a like a white trash type of thing only poor folks no 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 domestic Everyone. violence touches every group of people i don't care your race i don't care your socioeconomic background i don't care your education level um and it does happen in gay couples a lot of people for some reason always want to think it's some roided out man but it's not. It, it it does happen in oh, yeah. LGBTQ couples. Um, and there are resources for all of this kind of stuff. I know Memphis has Love Doesn't Hurt, which is specifically for LGBTQ couples that are, are facing issues of domestic violence. Um, anyway, there are resources out there. And if you need um, help, a lot of domestic violence websites have a... Uh, escape button like so if you were on there trying to find help and your partner walks in and you need to leave that website quickly they always have some kind of button that'll like take you to google yeah or disney or something just a home page yeah yeah um so there is help there are ways to get you help um so it is out there if that's something you're facing and i hope it's not but it, it is get out also i have a baseball bat and we'll travel Dude, I will. That's <laughs> I, y'all know I get tore up about a lot of things, but I do get tore up about domestic violence. And buddy, I've I have looked look we we can in their face and told them what I do to them. I will do it again. I, we can ooh. make it a strangers on a train scenario. They'll never know sure. it was us. Absolutely, never. never. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I say I'm not af- afraid of a lot of men, but you know what? I, I am because I've seen what they can do, mm-hmm. um, but I'll still stand up to them just because it ticks me off. Oh, I will fight oh. a man. I am not even yeah. like, yeah. I will fight a man. I'm yeah. I'm fine with it. I was daring that one. I was like, there are cameras up there. Do it. Come yeah. on. Do I'm it. Like, like I'm, I will get you arrested right now. And that's just the start. Anyway. Okay. I'm your your fists, your fists are scary, but not as scary as this knife in my back pocket. Yeah. Right. Like, I exactly. Just, I, Do you think I watch, I mean, yeah, I watch true crime shows cause it's entertaining, but also it's I'll kill you, motherfucker. Like you. I'll kill you there. I mean, but that's the thing too, is that domestic violence, I'll tell you, you think it can't happen to you. You think it oh, can't yeah. happen to your friends, yeah. your family, your neighbors. Well, that was like, you know, when they were talking about like 50 shades of gray, which isn't a really good representation of BDSM. Right. It's not really a BDSM yeah. relationship. It's an abusive one. Yeah. And people were like, you know, if he wasn't a millionaire, this would have been taking place in a trailer park and it would be the, yep. you know, subject mm-hmm. of a Criminal Minds episode. Yes, it would. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those things I'm really touchy about that. So I hate that that is something that she had to deal yeah. with. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So. um, But anyway, this was a good episode. Please. Loved it. Support your local drag queens and your. Absolutely. Um. And yeah. And in these times being what they are, um, the wonderful Gulf Coast nutmeg ganache um, was on the TikToks and made a very good point about if you've ever taken a bachelorette party to a drag show, mm-hmm. 
uh, straight white ladies, they're not just here for our entertainment. No, they're not. You really need to be standing up for these folks and Mm -hmm. telling people to mind their own fucking business. Well, and that's the thing, too, is it's drag drag to me is not just entertainment it's literally an art form and it's an it expression is. of who you absolutely. are absolutely you know i see especially seeing spencer do it so up close for the last several years this is truly a huge piece of his personality of who he is as a person right. i see him put so much thought and consideration into everything and i'm like i i think it's rad like i've told him i wish i could do it too but no one wants to see sheena get up and lip sync to janet jackson that is bullshit i want to see that (laughs) i want to see it too uh just you know give me a drink Uh, it's hey listen if someone will buy me tickets to the upcoming janet jackson and luda show at memphis (laughs) trust me they'll see me they'll see me rocking out um because i haven't bought my tickets yet but i'm going to because i'm going to wait and see if they get any cheaper um she's going to be up here outside of chicago and so yeah no she's incredible I'm going to, I'm going to have no voice by the time I'm done. No, you won't. Listen, I, I'm pumped. Was, I, I have not bought my tickets either. And it's mostly just because, hi, I'm poor. And yeah, yeah. I've had shit coming taxes up. Taxes have absolutely destroyed me this year, but that's another fun story for another day. Do you know how much it costs to rent an apartment up here? <laughs> it, but I'm, I'm going to get tickets to this Janet show. This will be my third time to see her. The first time I saw her with my cousin Shauna, the second time I went by myself, I lost my mind the second time. And I'm like, I've already seen her yet. <laughs> and, and people around me were kind of laughing at me because listen, love will never do about you. That, that sends me. I lost my mind during that one. That was one of my favorites. And then she did a really beautiful tribute with Scream. Um, yeah. Which I have, you know, of course, mixed feelings. We all have it, conflicted feelings. But it was that. still cool. And she did the choreography yeah. beautifully. And I'm such a choreography nerd. We have went on to things that are not about this episode. So Lori, where can they find us? I'm going to show you. You can up. find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us a Gmail, a Gmail, an email <laughs> to Cemetery Row Pod at gmail.com. Yeah. If you don't have Gmail, don't bother to email. Exactly. Us. <laughs> what are you Yahoo fuckers using? No, I, I still love the people that have at AOL. I, at yes, I were. There are um, a lot of people. Like a that, lot of my day jobs customers are yeah. boomers and older. So there's a lot of Hotmail. There's a yeah. lot of AOL. There's a lot of Yahoo. Um, my my favorite. favorites are the iCloud. I do enjoy those. Yeah. I, I always like the people who have the email address like of their provider. So like at bellsouth.net. Yeah. Like, yes. used to be a Bell South. <laughs> at Comcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Look, I I, when I have to it, look, when I have to schedule interviews with folks and they don't know how to use Microsoft Teams, it's always somebody that has a earthlink.net <laughs> Earth address i forgot it, about that one <laughs> bless their hearts yeah they bless can't, their hearts. they can't use it and i'm like i gotta record this yeah but yeah just, so just click the link <laughs> so yeah i hope you enjoyed this episode um be sure to send us a message if you like what we do or you can send us a review on whatever platform lets you review that would be really lovely Um, we also welcome emails that are kind and generous and also hey um oh my god my 
nope, it came back. Um, <laughs> tune into our next. Listen, I had caffeine right before this. I should not have caffeine. Um, our next episode is all about Titanic and people who uh, were on the Titanic and and maybe they got off. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't. Um, I don't know who all we're going to cover, but I know we're very excited about that because the anniversary of the Titanic sinking is coming up in early mm-hmm. August. And that's what we're going to cover in our next episode. Oh, it, why did I say August? <laughs> You're like me mispronouncing Leslie Jordan's name. Just why did I to bite you? It better. has been a long week already, guys. Look, this week I has kicked my butt big time. And next it, week's going to be even worse. Uh, I was like, bitch, it is my birthday week. Why are you coming for me this hard? I swear. I'm like, it's not October. That's my busy month. Why is it so crazy this the I last know. few weeks? So anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. We love yep. you. We do. We do.